0: Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined on the phone by the great Bill Mitchell uh, from Arizona. Bill, uh, you have been out doing a lot of Fall League coverage. He also authored the uh, Kansas City Royals Top 10 Prospects and the forthcoming Seattle Mariners Top 10 Prospects. Bill, the Royals as a team obviously had that great run 2014-2015, back-to-back World Series, winning it all uh, in 2015 tried to uh, relive the glory days in 2016 it did not work out 2017 we saw the uh, the full-on uh, tear down uh, take place maybe a little later than expected but by uh, the all-star break it was pretty clear they were going to be uh, picking in the top three and they are going to end up with the number two overall pick this coming draft the royals are kind of starting from ground zero in some ways uh, as you put together this farm system uh, top 10 rankings just in your discussions with scouts and front office officials, what was your overall sense on, on where the Royals are and, and where this uh, prospect crop is?
1: Well, certainly, uh, this is the second year that I've done the Royals list, and certainly this year was a much deeper system just through the extra draft picks they got alone. They had five picks in on day one alone covering the first two rounds, and they used all of them on more advanced college pitchers, a whole rotation full of college pitchers, and we had four of those ranked uh, in the top ten. So right there they got a big boost to the, uh, to the top ten. And that, that's uh, to me that was the biggest thing was the extra draft picks added, and then they did well in, in round three. Uh, round three they picked Kyle Isbell. Uh, later they took Austin Cox out of Mercer, who's an interesting left-hander, and it's really coupled that with some Latin players, Latin pitchers that they've added to the system. Uh, It's uh, a much more exciting system this year.
0: Mentioned those college pitchers they went with. Uh, They had five of the top 58 picks, and the first guy they took there was Brady Singer, uh, college World Series champion, BA uh, College Player of the Year in 2018. Slipped a little further than expected uh, down to the Royals in the middle of the first round. As you were putting together these rankings, how clear was it that Singer was the number one prospect in this system? Now that he had been drafted and signed, was it clear cut, or was there any debate?
1: Not really. Uh, it's he had certainly had the the impressive resume from from college, and of course, he did not pitch in his first season. Uh, he had a, long, a heavy workload. They went deep into the college World Series, and then when he got to surprise Arizona, the complex, he had a little bit of a hamstring problem. So he did not pitch until instructional league. he made, I think it was either three or four short appearances. Uh, so there really wasn't any pro track record to go on with him. We had to rely really on what he did in college, and he was a candidate to go much higher. There are scouts uh, that covered him in, during his amateur days, that are a little concerned with the delivery, that maybe it's more of a reliever's delivery, and the fact that he didn't use his changeup much in college. He didn't have to, but uh, the stuff is there, and uh, he's still, you know, it's it's still a premier, at least middle-of-the-rotation pitcher.
0: Yeah, there's there's no questioning his track record, uh, his performance. And we did hear some of those concerns about reliever delivery, but... Uh, I would imagine the Royals envisioned him as, as a future starter, and that's why they took him where they did.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was never any question of, yes, we'll, we'll swing this guy into the bullpen later. No, that never, uh, never entered into the, any conversations.
0: I would imagine so. Moving down into the list, this is where it gets a little interesting. Again, Singer, who was immediately put in the top 100 when he was drafted, uh, very clearly a, uh, a, a very worthy number one pick in a, in a system. Then you kind of get into an interesting group where you have his rotation made at Florida, Jackson Quoar, uh, Virginia lefty Daniel Lynch, both of whom were picked this year, Khalil Lee, uh, the center fielder with an interesting uh, you know power-speed combo, albeit with a lot of strikeouts. How many of these guys were really in consideration for that number two spot? Uh,
1: the one that really jumped up, and I, I, when I first started the list, I thought of Lynch being more towards maybe more towards the back end of the top ten. But the more I heard of what he did, and, and the numbers supported it, but uh, he had a kind of a modest career at Virginia. But everything ticked up when he got into the pro game. And I talked to pitching coaches of the Royals, and basically the answer was we just let him go out there and pitch. And at the last, my final ranking, I decided to just put him one spot above Kowar. They were drafted, I believe they were drafted back-to-back, Kowar and then Lynch. And uh, they are then coming into the draft, there were some teams that like Kowar even better than Singer. So it's, it, it's a good combination there. But I was just impressed in talking to people about Lynch and scouts who saw him. As, uh, everything picked up, and he, uh, the velocity was uh, that he had gained a little bit of velocity right at the end of his college career. And he kept that. And, again, they just, they just let him pitch. They didn't try to change him or anything.
0: When you say let him pitch, was there a sense that at Virginia they were tinkering with him too much? What 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 uh what did you hear in terms of Royals coaches in that regard?
1: I did hear, and it, a lot of it's well documented, well known about Virginia of some of the changes. And I, I can't speak uh, in depth on it, but I know they do the. A lot of pitchers come into pro ball; they've done that. Uh, Virginia knee bend, and from what I was told, that Lynch. In his college car, career says, No, I want to do it my way and uh he did and that was uh, helped him right at the end of his college career and uh I talked to one of their pitching coaches at Royals organization when he first came through their uh, through their complex after signing, they were pleasantly surprised that they didn't have to make a lot of adjustments to Lynch's delivery. Uh they were very pleased with it. And that's a lot of it. They just let him go out and pitch. Uh they thought he was uh, uh they, they could let him be Daniel Lynch.
0: Lynch and Kowar obviously settled into the top five, uh, but the guy who did end up ranked ahead of them was Khalil Lee. Uh, in your discussions with evaluators, what was it that elevated Lee uh, above these two very well-regarded you know, college pitchers with, with a nice draft pedigree?
1: Well, Lee has a good track record in pro ball already. Uh, he made it to double-A in the halfway through his second season, I think it was on his, uh, he got promoted on his birthday, uh, his 20th birthday, he made it to double A. The power numbers were down this year as he changed his approach to try to uh, let the ball get deeper into the zone and uh, get a more contact-oriented approach. But uh, he has so many tools, a rich tool set, and just felt that he had proven enough to, to be in that number two spot. And he was also, and when I talk about his power, he was also playing in Wilmington, a a ballpark that, uh, from what I understand, is tough to hit home runs in. So that was not a big consideration, that his power numbers dropped. He's still young, and there's plenty of raw power and strength in there.
0: From the outside looking in, it would seem that those four were, were pretty clearly the top four guys in this system. Moving into the back half of it, the middle to back, things get a little more interesting. Uh, there's a lot of interesting young players we saw at the low A level this year. Uh, Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, Suli Matias. Uh, the, ultimately though, uh, the guy who was ranked ahead of them was Nicky Lopez, kind of the, the little engine that could and just keeps producing and performing. At the end of the day, given that you know Melendez and Prado and Matias did some good things but didn't overwhelm at low A, was it easy to put Lopez over the top of them, or was it actually kind of a fierce debate?
1: No, I mean Lopez, uh, he is consistently going to play above his tools, and yes, he do- doesn't have the ceiling that those other guys do, but he's a triple-A already, and I can see him in the big leagues. Well, he doesn't have to be put on the 40-man roster yet because he is only in his third professional season. or just completed his third professional season. He's already a triple-A and he's going to perform in the big leagues. He still needs to get stronger, but I've seen at times, when he was in the fall league last year, I saw some surprising pop from him at times. So I think there's more to come with him. Uh, he's going to be able to play both sides of the bag in, at, uh, in, at the pro level, both second base and shortstop, uh, and he's just a gamer and a leader on the field.
0: We mentioned those three low-A guys. Uh, Melendez, Prado, Suley Matias. Matias is probably the most intriguing just because he has this tremendous, tremendous power. Uh, We saw him hit 31 home runs this season, uh, including uh, an opposite field shot off of a Justice Sheffield 94-mile-an-hour fastball in the Futures game. But at the same time, that came with a very, very, very high strikeout rate. What was the sense you got in terms of the level of confidence, if any, that as he faces better pitching, he'll be able to make enough contact to make use of his power.
1: He has made some adjustments as he's come up through the system. And he's only 19, Right, he was 19 during the season. And he has shown the ability to make adjustments. But with that said, there are concerns that he's never gonna be a high average hitter, that you're talking a 240, 250 type hitter at the big league level, uh, if it all comes together for him but with 30 home run or more power. Uh, a lot of, the scouts are saying the sky's the limit with this guy, but there are a lot of concerns, and it's and, and duly noted. Uh, he's a prototypical right fielder. He's got a plus arm. He runs well for his size. He's a big, strong kid, but he runs well, especially once he's out of the box. But um, there are there is more risk with him than the other guys, which is why I put Melendez and Prado ahead of him.
0: Yeah, MJ Melendez and Nick Prado, uh, their top two picks in the 2017 draft. First full season at Low Class A Lexington this year. seemed like there was, at least on paper, a lot of mixed results. Uh, What was the level of enthusiasm or or not that you were getting about these two young, uh, young teenagers?
1: Well, Melendez, he's got the skills to catch. And I don't think there's going to be any question that he'll be able to stay behind the plate. He runs fairly well for a catcher. He had a lot of triples. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know he hit a lot of triples in uh, low A. And that was, even though Prado was drafted ahead of him, Prado was our number one prospect last year, that was enough to nudge him just above Prado uh, for the next spot in line. Uh, Prado started slowly, and there was concerns with scouts that uh, here's a guy who's first baseman, the power hasn't come yet, But the strikeout totals were higher, a little higher than anybody thought they would be. Keep in mind, again, he was 19, playing full-season ball for the first time. He skipped T. and Melendez. Both skipped over a level. They didn't go to Idaho Falls or Burlington from rookie ball. They went right to low A. But Prado had a strong second half, and I think that restored a lot of the faith in him. I believe it was in the chat when somebody asked me about Prado dropping, I said it's more of the fact that he, they added so much new talent to the organization and the fact that uh, he underachieved because then he was real strong in the playoffs uh, for Lexington too as they captured the uh, South Atlantic League Championship.
0: No question. I mean, I think with Prada, you've always heard about his professionalism and, and I think it was definitely encouraging but not surprising to those who scouted him as an amateur that he was able to kind of stay strong through some struggles and, and finish strong and clearly something the Royals can be uh, excited about. I would imagine those top eight were pretty safely in the Royals' top ten. Is it fair to say numbers nine and ten were a little more fluid? And if so, how many guys were kind of in contention for those final two spots?
1: Well, with uh, number nine, I put uh, Kyle Isbell there. Uh, He was um, their third-round pick out of UNLV. And I also covered the Pioneer League, and I had a lot of reports on him from the Pioneer League. I ranked him... Pretty highly in the Pioneer League. The guy is just, he's a hitter, uh, but he's also got, uh, he's a, at least above average, if not plus runner. Uh, he's fairly new to the outfield. He uh, started his college career as a second baseman, but he looks like he can stay in the center field. Him being in top 10 was a slam dunk. Uh, he just, I felt he deserved that. He's a good, he's a, he's a potential starting outfielder down the line. For the other position, where I put Chris Bubik, a left-hander from Stanford, uh, that was not, there were other ones in contention. The next two on the list, which uh, I don't want to give away too much, uh, that'll come out in the Prospect Handbook, but I also looked at Jeffrey Del Rosario, who made big steps forward. He was one of the pitchers that had to be released by the Braves because of the issues in the international market. Uh, He picked up some velocity and really had a great season. And then Scott Blewett, who, yes, it seems like he's been around forever, but he's the same age as a lot of the college pitchers they drafted. He was a second rounder out of um, uh, New York High School a few years ago and really had a nice uh, Arizona Fall League season this year. So I was looking at all three of those for the 10th position, and I checked with some Royals. uh, uh, front office people and it was like yeah it could be any one of those so uh, I went with Bubik because I thought he had the uh, the safest uh, he had upside but he was the safest one in that position
0: yeah Bubik is interesting There, there's never been loud loud stuff there uh, even at Stanford but he was always effective kind of that back end lefty profile and as you mentioned you know they picked a lot of college arms at the top of the draft this year four of them are in their top 10, kind of supplements some of the, uh, the high school heavy position players they've had. That all said, these are still pitchers who are off their draft year, low A, they're probably going to start next year at high A, as are a lot of these high school position players. Realistically for the Royals, how long is it going to be before we start seeing these guys come up? Because from the outside looking in, it, Seems like, for the most part, it's it's 2020 at the earliest and 2021 most likely.
1: You you nailed it right there. I could see some of the advanced college pitchers, and maybe even an advanced hitter like Ispel making it by the end of 2020. Uh, but in 2021 is really a time when Royals fans can look to Uh, The whole, the the group that's going to be in Wilmington, if you're anywhere near Wilmington next summer, that's going to be one of the, Wilmington, Delaware, we're talking about, that's going to be one of the premier minor league teams to see. It's, uh, I I know somebody who lives in Wilmington and maybe he'll let me stay at his house, I'll come and visit. But uh, Wilmington will be a team to see uh, next year, no doubt about it.
0: So basically, Royals fans, when the team is uh, on pace for 100 losses again, to start checking the Wilmington box scores to feel good.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> and you mentioned uh, in your introduction they will have the number two overall pick next year, and that certainly they're going to get a premier talent in that, and then probably even in the the second round. I don't know how deep next year's draft compares to other drafts, but uh, uh, the Royals are they're, they're they're building a farm system, no doubt about it.
0: Obviously, it'll uh, might be a little painful at the big league level the next few years, but you know, like we always say, there's that flag flying uh, out at Kauffman Stadium that says World Champion on it, and that's what you gotta gotta remember. Pop in the DVD and and wait for this new wave to come up. Bill, uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, putting together the Royals Top 10 for us, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you have with the Mariners. For uh, Bill Mitchell, I'm Kyle Glazer. This has been another Baseball America Prospects podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...